Welcome back, everyone, to the Wiser Money Show. We have Ken here alongside your host, me, Zach. Ken, welcome back. I know we are. We finished our last episode talking about that we were moving, finally moving into our second, our second biggest mistake uh. regarding trust. And but before you jump in here, I do just want to tell all of the viewers, all of the listeners, just so everybody's on the same page, this is all ad hoc. We don't plan this. We don't sit there and write a script. We're not your traditional podcaster. You know, we're not we're not creating this story just to be able to regurgitate it to you. We're trying to have real conversations, bring in real live events. So yes, I'm sorry, the July, month of July for trust only. We're moving into August, still talking about trust. <laughs> well, thanks, Zach. And you, you know what? You're absolutely right. You know, we don't need to make up stories of my script. Uh, four decades of doing this. It's, what's that old saying? Um, uh, truth is worse than fiction or truth is uh, crazier than fiction or something like that. Something um, stranger yeah, than it's, fiction. Yeah, it's, it, it is crazy. Some of the stories that I have just by working in this field. And yeah, we could probably continue. But I, yeah, I kind of go off the rails sometimes with stories. But sometimes, you know, people have, you know, commented in that they like the stories because some of people have experienced them. They can relate to them. So it might go off the rails a little bit, but hopefully everybody's getting the value out of taking their time to listen to this. For sure. Now, I've I've always experienced that too. You know, when you're talking about real life events. Everybody always has that real life event and they might not have shared it with somebody. So I think having these conversations and these listeners being able to say like, that's what I'm going through right now, relate 100% to what we're discussing, or maybe somebody isn't going through it, but they will go through it. And then they could kind of remember how this conversation went so they could pr better prepare themselves. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that that real life and real life experiences are going to teach you way more than a scripted version of, of really anything. But with that, Ken, let's get over to our second biggest mistake, which is not funding the trust. And I think a lot of times people hear this or they're told, okay, fund your trust. And people don't really know what that means. So can you just break it down for us in very Simple terms. What sure. does funding the trust mean? <laughs> well, I'm laughing now because I got to start with a story. Um, <laughs> of course, of course. So um, all the people in this story have since passed away. So I can use first names, uh, especially if somebody knows who I'm talking about. So this goes back, oh my gosh, decades ago. And I was in Sarasota. A guy comes in, asked me to you know, uh, help him with the trust. So I did. We get to the trust funding phase. And, you know, I think that I am, you know, just overbearing when it comes to telling clients, you need to get me every single asset that you have. Well, I don't care about this little stock certificate. I don't care about that little bank account. Oh, you know, this, and I'm, I, I think I hold myself to the standard of um, trying to get every single thing that I can. So anyway, this guy, he had invented um, something with some kind of valve for like a, pacemaker. Not quite sure what it was, but he was just making tons and tons of money. He lived out on Tidy Island, which is a beautiful little island in Bradenton, Florida, right on the intercoastal. I live not too far from him. He came to the office. 
no wife, his wife did not come in. Um, his daughter did not come in. He just came in. He engaged us, drafted the trust. All right, Henry, we're going to fund the trust. So an explanation of what funding the trust means is if you think about a trust, it's this basket, right? It's just this, this container. And think of it like this. If you have this container, like a call it a 50 gallon drum and you got the 50 gallon drum. And let's say you're you got 50 marbles, and every marble represents a different asset. It could be a car, house, a life insurance policy, a bank account, whatever it is, right? If you die and those marbles are on the ground and that container is sitting there empty, you just paid for a trust that does absolutely zero, does nothing whatsoever. You got to take all the marbles, you got to get every single marble into that container. That's the 50 gallon drum. That's your your goal of trust funding. Now, let's say by accident, you leave a single marble out. That marble has to go through probate. And that's what most people don't understand. And I'm going to explain why some lawyers and law offices really goof it up. But that's the concept. You got to get those marbles into that 50-gallon drum. So he comes in, he employs me to do this. And I think, God, I did such a great job. You know, I check, I check, I double check, I double check, double check. Everything's in there. Henry, you got anything else? No, I got anything else. Great. Some time goes on, maybe, God, this was decades ago, maybe two years, three years, comes in and says, I have pancreatic cancer. He was gone in like 90 days. Ugh. So as the practitioner entrusted to help this guy, I thought, okay, I did a good job. No probate. So I meet his wife. Her name will come to me in a minute, but his wife and Doris. Wow. The memory's still there. It's not completely shot. A couple po- hockey pucks to the head, but I still got it. I, I remember that. No teeth, but. No teeth, no teeth, right? <laughs> um, so she comes in. We settle everything. No lawyers, no probate. All's good. She calls me. I want to say it had to be like a year later. and. She says to me, well, I was grieving so much that I didn't want to clean Henry's closet, his bureau. I just want to see like he was still there. It was very hard for her. They were married for decades. And she said, I finally got the gumption to come in. My my daughter, her name was Lisa. I remember that. And she came in and she helped me clean out the bureau. So Henry had a sock drawer. And they're cleaning out the sock drawer. And then Lisa notices something on the bottom of the sock drawer. It happened to be a stock certificate, but it was upside it's down. It's a marble. It's a marble. Exactly. It was upside down. And Doris didn't even know what it was. And But it had camouflaged itself with the wood and the color of the parchment. So they pull it in and she comes in and sees me. And she brings the stock certificate. So... I said, okay, well, uh, I'm going to have to see what we can do because it was in Henry's name. It never got funded into the trust. So I remember looking this up and it was some change, but it was around $700 in stock value. Uh, I actually remember the name of this company. Weirdly enough, it was called Barrister and it was out of New York and they did law book publishing. I don't know why I remember that. That's the weirdest thing. That is pretty bizarre. That's weird. I, yeah. Um, maybe I need to forget that kind of stuff. 
<laughs> but I remember looking up the stock value and it was like 700 bucks. Then I looked up at that time, what would it cost us to open up a court case in Sarasota for probate? And at that time, including all the costs, judge, lawyer, everything else, about 2,500 bucks. Not worth it. So I remember I had an assistant back then. Her name was Shirley. And we were working on this together. And Shirley comes to me and she goes, I got an idea. I said, okay, I'm open to anything at this point. Because how do you, you know, you're going to go to the client and go, 700 stock, it's this worthless piece of paper. Yep. She said, why don't we go down to Walgreens and get her like one of these frames, like you give certificates in, and we'll frame it. That's a great we'll idea. It's a $700 piece of wall art. Yes. So we did, you know, his wife, Doris, we all got a laugh out of it because there was nothing we could do. Right. right. Absolutely nothing we could do. And years go by and Doris passes away. Lisa comes in the office with this frame, goes, Ken, what the heck is this? <laughs> so I, I explained it to her. I'm like, nothing you could do. You just right. you know, throw in the garbage or hang it on a wall. It's $700 stock certificate. You can't do anything about it. Um, so to make a long story short, people will say, oh, that's just a $1,000 account. That's a $2,000 account. Why do I need to rename that in the trust? Because it may just be worthless. You can't claim it if something happens. And then here's where the big mistake comes into play. Most of the time when people do a trust, and if they do a trust online, it's a horrible experience because mm -hmm. there's none of what I'm explaining to you right now. They sell you eight pages or 12 pages. They call it a revocable living trust. And then they send you instructions that nobody follows. Nobody does it. Now, the other option is you go to a lawyer's office, you go in and you know how this process works. Um, Bob, the neighbor dies. And, you know, John and Sue go, oh, my gosh, we will die. We should get a trust like right. it hits them. I know we've been talking about this for years. And so they go down, they hire the lawyer. The lawyer says, who do you want to get it when you die? And who do you want to handle things when you're disabled? Great. Come back and we'll have you sign everything. And so week, two weeks, whatever it takes the lawyer to prepare it. They do it. They come back. And John and who do you Sue? John and Sue okay. walk in the lawyer's office. And there's a giant conference room table. And all this paperwork is spread out. It looks like the surrender of Japan. And so John and Sue sit down. And the lawyer says, now I want you to read all this and make sure it's all correct. And John and Sue look at each other like, what are you kidding me? It's 80 pages. Yeah, right. And you would have, you know, a... Durable power of attorney, durable power health county, a uh, uh, durable power of health uh, power. You'll have a living will, a pour over will. You'll have the trust. You'll have ancillary. It's a lot. Sometimes yep. it's over 100 pages, right? And so I've had people tell me this. They'll look at each other. They'll go, I don't know. What's this here to with to pecuniary uh, amount, the state taxes? All the legal target. I don't know. It is. This is a lot more complicated than I thought. Uh, Sue, what do you think? Should we just sign? He's a lawyer. He should yeah. know what he's doing. It should all be right. He's a lawyer, for goodness sakes. Yeah, is, maybe we should just sign this thing. Yeah. Let's let's sign this thing and just get to lunch. Yeah. So they sign everything. The lawyer's office packages it up in this pretty little paper binder, which we'll talk about in some future time, about how paper is dangerous. And John and Sue, they throw it in the car, they go to lunch, and then they go home, they stick it on the shelf. And then what they say to themselves is, 
Oh, that's done. Thank goodness. What else we got to do? I think we got to call the lawn care guy. Doesn't a door need fixing with a handyman? It's like this little thing that they think they just sign and they're done. Yep. The problem is, is that most lawyers offices will do little to no trust funding, but they release themselves from the liability by what they put inside the trust. Typically, it says these are your trust funding instructions. And there's five pages of instructions. Here's how you transfer real estate to the trust. Here's how you transfer bank accounts to the trust. Here's how you transfer brokerage accounts to the trust. And then what ends up happening is either A, the client never looks at that. John Sue never look at it because they just, it was a done deal. Or they look at it and they're like, oh my God. And then here's where the big problem comes into play. There is what they call an assignment of asset to trust. Mm-hmm. This is where people totally myth it. So there's a there's usually a document inside of a trust, and it says, upon my death, take all my assets and assign them to the trust. So then some people go, oh, yeah, I don't need to do all that trust funding stuff. That's a lot of work, a lot of time. There's a document right there. It says, when I die, I just put it all in the trust. What people do not understand is that if you do not physically change the title of the asset while you're alive and cognizant, those assets will still go through probate. All that document does is through probate. It's provided to the judge, and the judge looks at it and says, okay, it looks like their intent was to put it all into the trust, but if people come out of the woodwork and fight for it, it doesn't mean that they're going to get it. So It's it's as effective as a will. At that point, that's exactly right. Right. So you got to understand the whole idea of funding the trust is kind of like doing probate while you're alive without the cost or the frustration. So you got to change insurance policies. Beneficiaries should go to the trust. IRAs do not go directly to the trust. There is a few workarounds, but it should never. Here's a rule of thumb. Don't ever name a human as a primary beneficiary. People do this all the time. They'll say, okay, in my life insurance, name my wife as the primary beneficiary. My trust is the contingent. Nope, wrong way. Uh, IRAs, 401ks, retirement plans. Name my wife as the primary beneficiary and my trust as the contingent. We don't have time today's episode. I'll explain that in another episode, why that's uh, financial suicide. Don't ever do that. But bank accounts, people go, oh, well, you know, um, I put a TOD, transfer on death. No, that's not owning it by the trust. Not the same. And if the beneficiary dies, it's not in the trust. And if you become disabled, your account is not allowed to be handled by the trust. Now you still have to go through surrogate court to get that thing handled. Right. So the proper method to get a trust funded is every single asset, every marble has got to go in the container by the title change. Now. With the Patriot Act going into play, it's a little harder. Before the Patriot Act, what we were able to do is go to a bank and change the name. You could just change the name of an account. You could go to a brokerage company, just change the name. With the Patriot Act, because they found out people were money laundering that way, you can no longer do that. So if you have a John and Sue bank account jointly held, you cannot go to the bank and say, just change the name of the trust. Nope. Because that's how people were money laundering. So now what you got to do is you got to go open a trust account, move the assets from the joint account to the trust account, and then close the joint account. 
The reason is when you open the trust account, that bank is going to run the background check on you, and they're going to run you through the Patriot Act and make sure right. you're not a terrorist, a money launderer, a cartel member, whatever it is. Okay. And so it's not as easy as it used to be, but it's necessary because, as I always say, if you don't trust or if you don't fund your trust, you're leaving a complete nightmare and a mess for your kids or your family. And if you hate them to death, go ahead and do it because you've been warned. And I think, Zach, you kind of have a story. You went through that, didn't you? With with the probate process, absolutely. I mean, that when my dad passed away, we sold his house. And it was just a nightmare for us. And it was a small little home in North Philadelphia. But a long process, multiple thousands of dollars just to settle this one little home. And I also had to split it with my siblings. So it wasn't really really worth it for me in the long run. Well, my siblings at least got to see a nice little chunk of change, but they didn't put any work into it. Yeah. But that was it. If you have a trust, fund it because you need to ensure that everything's taken care of. That's the purpose of this trust is that when you pass away, you did everything while you were alive of sound mind, sound body to set your future, your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, whoever it is up for success in the future. So with that, Ken, thank you for talking about funding the trust. Let's end this episode, pick up next episode with our next mistake, which is not putting tainted assets into a trust. Sounds good. Thanks, Zach. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks.